0: Hi, this is Baz Wernick with Bad Kids Go to Hell, and you're listening to Funny Books
1: with Aaron and Polly.
0: Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron
1: and I'm Polly
0: and we're back dropping a big deuce on you with episode 2. The Big uh, O2. <laughs> the Big O2. You know, they said we wouldn't last
1: this long. <laughs> <laughs> I have no retort to that. <laughs> Cuz it's true. No. Well, you know what they say about Aaron and
0: Polly no staying power, so. <laughs> But you know we've been we've been getting our uh, vitamin B shots and, and we're ready to, to carry on through and plow on through at least this episode.
1: So. Yeah, I'm committed to at least this episode. <laughs> we'll have to negotiate my contract after this. uh Oh, got to renegotiate.
0: <laughs> All kinds of fun.
1: Well, uh, I don't
0: know about you, Paul, but you know I have to wear uh, grown-up clothes to work every day. You know I gotta I gotta I gotta wear you know uh, uh, grown-up pants and you know shirts with collars on them and, and whatnot. So. When I'm in my uh, free time, I I like to you know wear shorts, wear a t-shirt, that kind of thing, and so I usually will have some geek wear, like uh, you know I might have a, a you know a, a comic book t-shirt on or a science fiction t-shirt on or something like that. And what I have observed is sometimes that draws the wrong kind of attention. You're you're out there and you're wearing your your daredevil you know t-shirt and. The guy comes up, and goes, "Oh yeah, I really like Daredevil. I really like that time where Daredevil was in the prison and he was beating up those guys. That was cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just last just last weekend, I was wearing my Heath Ledger Joker t shirt while I was out running some errands, and you know the wife and I were together, and this uh, uh, sales clerk comes over, and she's kind of got that you know that mouth breather kind of voice, <laughs> and she's like. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I really liked the Joker, but I didn't like that Joker too much because, you know, he didn't apply his makeup very well. I really liked the other Joker, you know, the other Joker. He just had he had better, you know, makeup. And I said, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that Joker. I really liked him better. You know, it was just a better Joker. I think he had better makeup. And she's like, yeah, but, you know, Jack Nicholson, he just had better makeup. (laughs) 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 And so, you know, Sometimes you're wearing that you're you're wearing your geek wear and it just r- draws the wrong kind of attention. In fact, I would say in my experience, 9 times out of 10, it's the wrong kind of attention when attention is drawn, except this week. I go out to dinner with the wife and we go up to the counter at this little burger joint around the corner. Go up to the counter to order and the lady behind the counter is just really taken aback by my uh, Lieutenant Sulu T-shirt, you know that I'm wearing, and she's like,
1: "Oh,
0: I love Star Trek." I'm like, "Oh God, here we go." And she's like, "I, just, I, I am just so into Star Trek, you know. I just, I love the old series. I love the Next Generation and the new movie. Oh God, it was great. And you know, and she's, you know, she's cute, you know, she's a cute, cute girl, you know, nineteen or something." And then she says something, because I'm just sitting there just going, oh, God, could you just take my order? Until she says, I'm getting a tattoo of the Starfleet shield right here over my left breast. <laughs> and I was speechless. I mean, I was just like, that is so freaking hot. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, was, I, I, I wasn't able to think of anything else. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's all I managed to get up that's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> like, you look over to your wife, honey, why don't you go wait in the car? Yeah, that's right. I've got some work to do here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to invite her to
0: the, to join the podcast. That's right. Yeah. Cause you know, she is now my hero. <laughs> I was just like that. We sat we sat down after, uh, after ordering. And my wife was just like, don't even talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that that was my experience with geekwear this week. This is the first positive experience that a a you know a Star Trek T-shirt has ever had in my life. I have that that memory has been living with me all week. I think you know what I mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what what is awful for me is that I don't have a lot of geekwear. Oh yeah, um, mostly two reasons. One reason is the negative experiences, right. Um, I remember one time I bought a Captain America shirt from Target. And, uh, I wore it around one day and someone said, is that a Target shirt? Is that a Target shirt? No. Does Target's symbol have a star in the middle? (laughs) They said, I was like, it's Captain America. And literally, the response was, Captain Target? No. Something different entirely. Um, it just so that kind of turned me off. I haven't bought a Captain did, America shirt since.
0: Did that situation descend into fisticuffs? Did
1: you have to kick their ass? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Just, just kind yeah. of beat her down to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, listen, have, bitch. <laughs> it's Captain America. Say it. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, God. since then, it's just rare. I have a Silver Surfer shirt. Cause I don't like to buy like the Batman shirts or the Superman shirts. I like the more well, more obscure to the general public shirts. Correct. You know the Captain Americas, the Silver Surfers. And what's killing me is that I can't find a Black Lantern shirt. Oh, you know what? I I, they've got my uh, comic shop has those. Yeah, symbol for the Black Lantern. You know, Local Heroes Comics in Norfolk, Virginia, does too. Uh, But I went in. I'm like, ooh. Do you have them in Double XL? He's oh. like, "No, the larger size we have is large. Okay, you're never going to sell those.
0: Well and, you know <laughs> that drives me crazy because you know, have, have these guys not looked at who their their customers are? You know we're all a bunch of fat comic book geeks. <laughs> <You> <laughs> <know>? <laughs> I mean, we all have an X in our sizes. <laughs> I, I don't get that. I don't get that. I mean, you'll go and you'll see medium. Who the hell's wearing this? Yeah. Are you, you know? buying this for your kid? That's right, because you know, <laughs> for your and your 12 kid's a little chunky too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't get that. I was at uh, Wizard World and you know they have uh, the big T shirt vendors there. And you know, they had, oh I'm sorry, you know, we don't have this in, in a two XL, you know, all of our two XLs are over there and it's just this very little, you know, small shelf. Of two XLs, and I'm like, "Have you taken a look at the dealer room? Have you looked around at the at the showroom floor? Because there isn't anybody in here that's wearing a medium, <laughs> you know, except maybe the girls in the baby doll tees, you know, yeah, but uh, not interested. In yeah, it. yeah, it just blows my mind. It just blows my mind. But yeah, I've seen those uh, those Black Lantern shirts. Those are yeah. great.
1: But you know, what? I'm just too lazy to order them online. That just seems yeah. like too much effort for me.
0: Well, and you know, uh, one of the things that I I feel really bad about is that Stephen Berry's went out of business, you know, back in December and they always had such great t-shirts, you know, and you could pick them up for five bucks Mm -hmm. and I I just hate that that they went out of business because, you know, that's where I picked up a bunch of my geek wear and now I'm having to pay like full price for stuff and, you know, Mr. Head's not about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, Hot Topic has a couple of two, but, you know, Hot Topic's not cheap. I don't want to pay $25 for a t-shirt.
0: Yeah, or Geek Label or any of those guys. I mean, they're all, you know, 20 30 bucks for a shirt.
1: Yeah, and don't get me wrong. And, they're yeah. nice, and, you know, they're oh, they're yeah. not usually crappy. You know, they're, they're made of good material. They last a while. But, yeah, um, yeah no. Um, I will say the one time I bought a Thundercats shirt. Well, someone bought me a Thundercats shirt. And it had a, a sh- the shiny the, – the Thundercats el- emblem was shiny red. Mm-hmm. I washed it once. It was no longer shiny. It was just flat red. I was like, wow, I guess I should have turned that one inside out. But uh, yeah, Yikes. so uh, I've not had good experiences with my geek wear.
0: I'm sorry. I Damn it. Sorry. It's all your <laughs> fault. I blame myself. I do. I'm, I, I know that, that somehow, at some point, I was responsible for it.
1: Well, if it's any consolation, I blame you too. So, <laughs> Well, thanks. Appreciate that. Since we're on so, the same page.
0: So, did you pick up Wednesday comics this week? Yeah, you know I did. I did, um, and I'm not talking about the comics that came out on Wednesday. I'm talking about DC's Wednesday comics.
1: Yes, I, I absolutely did.
0: I got to tell you, I, I think that's awful. It's an awfully pretty uh, uh, concept.
1: It is absolutely. I, you know, I love the idea behind it. Um, some of the execution, I'm, I'm not too keen on, to be honest yeah. with you. Well,
0: for, for those who haven't picked it up yet, or have who or who have not seen it, it is uh, essentially like the Sunday funnies. You know, it's printed on newsprint. They're color, uh, one page comics, um, done in serial format. You're going to get this on a weekly basis. It is weekly, right?
1: It's it all- is. Um, I think. Is it twelve issues? I think total. I have, um, I don't know. Yeah, know. it's That's not probably like an thing. We should thing. have researched before we started. <laughs> <laughs> Who uh, researches this?
0: Uh, yeah, good point. But you know, it's uh, it's very reminiscent of of you know the, the the Sunday funnies where you had the serialized you know Batman, Spider Man, etc. It's it's really nice. It's, it's newspaper sized. Um, you know, it folds up into a comic book size, but then you open it up and it's a nice big page of newsprint. I think the the Batman cover story that's on the very first page is perfect for, for this format I'm just i, I I'm flipping it through right now so if you hear the page turning I really like that one little story they had there for Batman and I understand it's the first of a serial but really that page is just I think it's the, the best representation of the format in, in the entire thing because you could really read this and walk away and not have to read anything else Mm -hmm. You know, because it's just a little vignette. And it's not even Batman beating anybody up. It's Batman and and Commissioner Gordon talking, and they've run out of time. And it's just, I I think it's, I think that the artwork is beautiful. It's very, very much in the uh, spirit of Batman, very dark, very shadowy. The uh, writer and artist really have, you know, mastered the format of being able to tell something that, that's satisfying in that one page.
1: You know, I, I will agree. You know, out of all the stories in here, I think the Batman was my favorite. Yeah. And some of them really took advantage of the format, whereas others, you know, there are some stories in the Wednesday comics that yeah. really kind of feel like we had a 12-page story. Here's the first page. You know, it, d- right. it didn't feel like it was created as a serial of one-page stories with little cliffhangers on each page or whatever. So, you know, some of them didn't seem to grasp the concept as much.
0: And I'll agree with that. Uh, You know, the the Superman story, you know, while beautifully painted, is not real effective and kind of a waste of the page, I thought.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that was the big one. That's the one that, you know, USA Today was going to serialize as well. And, you know, they made a big deal out of that one. And I think that's, I wouldn't say it's the worst, but it's you know it's it's one of the ones on the low end of the scale for the for the book.
0: Now I have to say I have not read the whole thing yet. Um, I read I've read you know the Batman, the Superman. I read Commandi, uh, you know the Last Boy on Earth, and a couple of others. But the Lion's Share, of it I haven't read yet, strictly for the fact that I decided that I wanted to read this with coffee on Sunday morning.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. See? laughs> <laughs> if my test of it was I took it home. I took it to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, it's a good bathroom reading, uh-huh. and um, you know I did read all of it. Some stories really worked out well. I like the dead man story. Uh-huh. You know, I like the Green Lantern story. I, you know, some of the stories that I was really looking forward to, especially art wise, like Teen Titans, uh-huh. it just kind of fell flat. It that one really just it was a page of nothing essentially. Yeah. Uh, the Supergirl one was pretty fun you know i I'm, I like amanda connor's art so and you know it looks pretty good in this yeah well
0: uh, two things that I want to point out uh, of, of what I have uh, what I have read so far uh, Kamandi, the last boy on earth, which is originally a Jack Kirby character and is one of my uh, uh, favorite comic book characters, is handled so nicely and has that sort of prince valiant artwork to it mm-hmm. you know I, I I really i'm digging it i and I'd love to see you know when all that's done collected and something because that that's actually something that I want I want on my bookshelf because I really really like that. Um, I was looking forward to the Metamorpho story. Now Metamorpho is not one of my favorite characters, but he's uh, being drawn by uh, uh, Allred. Yes, and you know I really like his Madman stuff. And you know I'm I'm hit or miss sometimes on Neil Gaiman, but uh, uh, I really like the the Allred artwork. And I don't – did you read the Metamorphos story? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, did you catch some of the stuff in it? (laughs) You know, he's talking about uh, her giant clam, and uh, she was hoping for the mother of all pearl necklaces.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I did catch a little bit of that. Um, You know, and it's Neil Gaiman. Yeah. So it's possible. That you know, it was intentional.
0: Yeah. While a quick blast of frozen nitrogen will take care of Sapphire's giant clam, <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I sat there just giggling like a like like I was fourteen years old the whole time <laughs> reading that.
1: A mother of all pearl necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> Now that's it, what we need to change the name of our show to the Mother of All Pearl Necklaces.
0: I tell you what, it is no longer funny books with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> <laughs> Listenership will go through the roof.
1: Through the roof.
0: Okay, so I think that the format is awfully innovative, even though it's uh, <laughs> you know it, it's, it's rather nostalgic. Yeah. But I, I think it's a great idea, um, and for the most part, I like how it was executed. I don't care for the price of it. You it know, seems I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, 4 bucks for low-quality newsprint, uh, that seems excessive. Now, I will say there is only, what, one little bit of advertising in this entire thing, and it's the robot chicken ad on the back of it. I, I would be happier with some full-page advertising if they'd bring that price point down. Because uh, let me tell you, this is not something that I really want to archive. I don't want this in my long boxes. And really what I'd like to do is have it sitting on my on my coffee table. And then when I'm done with it, I want to leave it at Starbucks. Yeah. And you, you, know, you know, I what? want to leave
1: it so somebody else gets a chance to read it like you would a newspaper. And you know what? It's really not reader friendly or collector friendly. It's right. not, you know, this isn't it, it you know, they they folded it in such a way that it could fit in a bag and board. Right. But not once you open it. So you'd right. have to buy two and at 4 bucks an issue. Not really friendly uh, for that. And well, and as- 4
0: bucks a week. I mean, you're looking at $16, 20 a month just on this, on something you're not going to archive. I know I'm not. I mean, this is just, it's not, like you said, it's not collector friendly. Yeah. Um, and I, I've really kind of cut back on what I'm actually saving these days. So, you know, it, for something that is essentially a one, two-time read and then discarded, it ought to be cheaper. And if it was two bucks, I wouldn't have a problem at all. This would, be, this would be something that I would pull. And I think they can make it two bucks if they'd put some advertising in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's four bucks because we're paying for the names that are involved in it yeah. and the fact that there's only one ad. Yeah. You know, I'd be okay with more ads. You know, I was thinking yeah. about it. You know, the newspaper that comes out daily. You know, eight sections or whatever, or even the Sunday paper. Let's go with the Sunday paper. You know, has way more color pages than this does, and yeah. costs about what a buck fifty yeah. uh, for the Sunday paper, and that includes ads and all that.
0: Well, and ju- and just think, you're not really paying for the paper when you when you spend that money. You're paying the guy who either threw it at your house, or you're paying for the guy who's got the vending machine, or you're paying for the guy who uh, has a newsstand. Exactly. you know you're not paying for the paper because the advertising already paid for that. So my thing then is if you throw some advertising in here and I tell you, you know this is so innovative, this is so fresh, um, <clears throat> advertisers I think would be happy to be in it. And if you drop that price point to two bucks, people will buy this every week because it's fun. Yeah. And this is one of the things I think DC does better than almost anybody else, is that they make comic books fun. You know, I've got some other you know, criticisms about DC, but they, they, they do a really good job of, of creating fun comics. 52 was fun as hell, I you agree. know? And this is fun, but at four bucks, I don't see me picking it up every week.
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, if they wanted sales to go through the roof on this, and they should, they should, this literally had the potential, or has the potential, to be the biggest comic seller probably of the year. Yeah. If I was I was actually going to say a 99 cent price point. I yeah. mean, it's newsprint. Exactly. And, you know, it's what is it? It's 12 stories. It's not even 22 stories. So, you know, it, or 22 pages, I don't think. You know, it's it's right. about Okay, so 16 we're pages. We're counting, we're counting. <laughs> yeah. I think it's 16 pages. Sorry for the yeah. the rustling of the paper there. You know, 16 <laughs> pages. You know, a 16-page yeah. comic book, you know, in DC produced an 80-page giant for 99 cents in Brave New World. You know, this could be 99 cents for 12 weeks, and they'll make the money back. You know, some of these full-page stories don't need to be full-page stories. Uh, you know, the Wonder Woman one is absolutely awful.
0: Well, and and you know, one of the things we haven't chatted about, and I haven't read it yet, but the... Uh, I loved... The little half page or third of a page, Iris West. Yeah, well, you know, the Iris West is kind of done in the tradition of the romance comics, Mm -hmm. you know, that you would find in in, on on the funny pages. And I, I just I just love that they're kind of meeting all of those different types of genres through here. This is so well thought out, with the exception of the price tag.
1: Yeah, and you know, again, I think we're paying for the fact that there are a bunch of good names involved in this. And there's only one ad. You know, with more ads, I think they probably could have dropped the price point. And, you know, for such a passion project, you'd think some of these guys would take a cut and pay. And maybe they did. I don't know. Four bucks just seems like a lot to me for what you get. Four bucks is an awful lot. It's an awful
0: lot for something that is essentially disposable. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine that, that too many guys are going to be holding on to this simply for the fact that, I mean... You're going to read it once, and you're going to have to, you know, put it in the acid-free against an acid-free board inside your mylar bag, and uh, you know, never touch it again because the newsprint is going to deteriorate so rapidly.
1: And the fact that to get a full story, you'd have to read all twelve issues, so you'd have to have yeah. all twelve issues handy to read one page of Batman in this issue, one page of Batman in the next issue. Yeah, uh, you know, and it will be collected.
0: Yeah, and it's you know, you're going to pay fifty bucks. Yeah, you know, essentially you're paying fifty bucks for newsprint over a twelve week period, and I I'm having a hard time with that. Yeah, and how so much is a subscription to I, your paper?
1: Like ten bucks? Yeah I,
0: I i think I think they really missed it on the price point. That's uh, that's how I will wrap up. They really missed the boat on the price point.
1: Yeah, you know, and again, great stories for the most part. You know, some not so great. I'll I'll agree. You know, four bucks is a bit too much. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm going to stick with it all the way through the 12 issues. We'll see. Uh, you know, I've seen what all the stories have to offer. I like some of them. Maybe I'll just wait till the collected edition at the end, um, you know, rather than buying it, you know, 12 weeks, which kind of eliminates the point of making it a serialized comic. But uh, I'm, I'm a little. I agree. I'm not looking to add something like this to my collection.
0: Well, something that I think you are excited
1: about, though, is Green Lantern. I am. You know, if I read more than seven comics this week there might have been a competition but you know i i <laughs> would give this my pick of the week you know it, it was i thought it was great i know you probably didn't like it as much as i did i thought it was great
0: i actually i rather liked it i uh i i thought that it, that it was well told you know jeff johns certainly can tell a story you know i and i i know i'm going to pronounce his his name wrong but uh mankey
1: i was just going to go with make We'll just pronounce it differently. One of us will do it right. <laughs>
0: well, hopefully, um, I, he is uh, one of my emerging as one of my favorite artists. He has a, a a terrific knack for you know demonstrating you know horror and gore and 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 then you know conversely making things just beautiful. Uh, I, I think that he is he is extraordinarily talented, and so any opportunity to to see him. Uh, illustrate a book is always a pleasure. Now, my complaint, I think, I think issue number forty-three of Green Lantern, the prologue to Blackest Night, I think is a terrific book. My dislike of it is only relating to how long it took to get here. Um, I think that DC padded the period between announcing Blackest Night and and building to Blackest Night. Uh, and actually giving us Blackest Night. I mean, I, I think that a lot of what we've read over the last six months in the in the two Green Lantern books has been
1: padding. Yeah, you know, I will agree. I mean, I sat there going, "God, just do it already." <laughs> you know, I'm happy that this book turned out so well because I'll be yeah. honest, both the Agent o- Orange storyline and the mm. uh, Rage of the Red Lanterns were pretty damn awful. I mean, yeah,
0: Rage of the Red Lanterns was just terrible um the i i couldn't bear the artwork i couldn't bear the story the the vomiting blood on people to it as their as their you know essential primary weapon was just it was disgusting and not at all you know artful you know i just i didn't care for that one little bit
1: i agree you know it just it didn't start off good. It didn't continue good. It didn't end good. Yeah. It was just kind of a poor yeah. storyline. So, to tell you the truth, I was starting to get a little worried because, again, it, even Agent Orange, I think that was a four or five-issue tale, maybe, something like that. Yeah. And really, it could have been condensed to two issues. You didn't get really a lot out of that storyline. Well, and so much of the Green Lantern books lately
0: has just been fight scenes. hmm You know, there, there's really not been a terrific amount of story. I, I mean, I... I I feel like we could have distilled probably eight months worth of books down into one or two maybe three books over that period to lead into Blackest night and I understand that John's was trying to build a continuity that would you know you'd feel like you were invested in Blackest night and you'd feel the threat and the danger of it but my lord, you know the minute I saw the the hand coming out of the grave at the end of uh, at the end of, of Sinestro corps I was like okay I'm ready. And Sinestro Corps Wars were outstanding. Don't get me wrong. I thought those books were terrific. Um, I was crazy about them. But then we started getting into the Red Lanterns and the Violet Lanterns and the Blue Lanterns and the Plaid Lanterns and, you know, all these different, you know, emotions. You know, I, I, I kept... I kept waiting that, you know, we had the the love lanterns, you know, which were the the violet lanterns. And you had the rage lanterns, which are the crimson, you know, lanterns. And I kept waiting for, you know, the apathy lanterns. (laughs) You know, they'd come out and we'd have a war, but they just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So we're finally here at Blackest Night. And I picked this book up, really not expecting much out of it, because I've really felt that they, that they've just been, you know, squeezing and milking our wallets, you know, without giving us a whole lot. Um, and I know a lot of the guys who are working on these books, like Johns, Nathan Van Sciver, are all very proud of what they're doing, but I just have not enjoyed the ride uh, since Sinestro Core. but. This book is really well written, and it's very extraordinarily well illustrated. So uh, I, my my interest is rekindled in this yeah. project.
1: You know, that's one thing I'll give to DC, and this is a this is going to be a surprisingly DC heavy show. Uh, in fact, I don't think yeah. we have any Marvel to talk about today. Really, it felt like you know DC really gives a lot of leeway to its writers, and I guess it's just some writers, because some writers quit DC, you know, or get fired, you know, like Dwayne McDuffie, you know, after complaining about editorial mandate and blah, blah, blah. I find it hard to believe that Grant Morrison and Jeff Johns really give a crap about editorial mandate. They seem to get away with a (laughs) hell of a lot, because, you know, looking at this book, this does not feel like the prologue to DC's big event of the year. Usually those are more, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, they've been a little violent, they've been a little weird, you know, but this book, we're talking about a book, you know, the ma- the main villain is really sick, you know, he's obsessed with death, he's a necrophiliac. You know, you have murder, suicide, all shown in gory detail. If this did not feel like a DC book, much less a DC book that was the start of something so big. It was just a yeah. very dark, you know, very just bloody tale. And I was, yeah. I was really impressed that that was the way they took it. It was surprisingly dark. And, you know,
0: I'm, I'm glad you touched on the necrophilia part because, you know, as I was reading that, I was like, wow, I, you don't normally see this kind of thing in a DC book. You know, certainly maybe a Vertigo book. But yeah. uh but not a uh a D C book. And I was just like, Wow, okay. You know, I, I guess this is this is gonna be something different. Which is refreshing. You know, I, I think that more books should have necrophilia.
1: Yeah. At you least, know, I, you know. Wednesday I, comics should have thrown in some, you know, we would have yeah. liked it
0: more. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we we should see we should see a lot more sex with dead people because that is what gets kiddos in the comic book shop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, <laughs> don't yeah. know where to go from there. Do have, you. <laughs> yeah, where do you go after Necrophilia? Well, that was today's episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nice. <laughs> but, so you know. I, I
0: think we're, I think we we are both agreed that uh, Green Lantern Forty Three Prologue to Blackest Night is is an essential read.
1: Yeah, and I think that DC needs to pay Doug Mank or a monk or Mankey. mankey yeah, whatever the whatever hell the is. hell he's asking for to keep him there as long as possible. Because um, damn straight.
0: His illustration on the, one of the Final Crisis books. It was he did Requiem and he also did that Superman Beyond. Beyond, yeah. And while the it was there were elements of those books that were difficult to understand. I think that went to the writing. I don't think that went to the art. Those books were just beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I they they were books. It is rare that I will read a comic book and then. Sit back down to reread it again immediately. And that is exactly what I did with uh, Superman Beyond, simply for the fact that the artwork was just so breathtaking. So, yeah, I agree. The, DC needs to pay him whatever the hell he wants uh, to keep him around because he makes their stuff look terrific.
1: Yeah, and he actually did a run, or maybe it was just a couple of issues, on Nightwing mm-hmm. um, with Pete Tomasi, who's another one of my favorite writers, and he writes yeah. Green Lantern Corps. Um, and that feeds into this week's Batman, I think, a lot. Uh, so you know, we'll get into Batman here in a little bit. But definitely, if you haven't pick- picked picked uh, up Green Lantern forty three, which is the prologue to Blackest Night, go ahead and do that. Um, I've not seen any word on them reprinting Blackest Night number zero, the free Comic Book Day issue. Yeah, they said they were going to. It's you know, Blackest Night number one comes out next week. Um, I think this is a great prologue. And I think it's probably necessary reading uh, yeah. for the storyline itself. Yeah.
0: Well, and even if you don't read Blackest Night, you know, if, you just, if you're just looking for a good, entertaining comic, I won't call it fun because I wouldn't call this book fun. <laughs> uh, but it is certainly thrilling. Um, uh, this is the book to pick up. In fact, I, I, this is my big pick for the week.
1: I concur. This is my big pick for the week as well.
0: Excellent. So uh, you were talking about Batman. Let's chat about that.
1: Yeah, let, you know there were two Bat books this week. Um, it, it was a Batman and Robin week without actually Batman and Robin coming out. Yeah. Um, you know there was Batman issue six eighty eight and Red Robin issue number two. Yeah. Uh, and see,
0: I read Red Robin. Um, did not uh, pick up the the Batman. Uh, I absolutely forgot that Jed Winnick was already writing on that. So I, I, I'm two issues behind. Get on it. I'm on it. i gotta, I got to make a run immediately following the podcast.
1: <laughs> now, I know you weren't too big on Red Robin number one, whereas I was. Yeah. Um, um, what did you think of issue number two?
0: Hate it with everything I've got.
1: Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I cannot stand the writing. I cannot stand the artwork. I, I got this uh, Raymond Box, or Ramon Box. He. There is a certain quality to his artwork that reminds me of Tom Grummet, who I love. Mm-hmm. But... There, his uh, action is very stilted. There's a there's a the big splash page uh, that has the title and credits in the book. He, Red Robin's head doesn't look right on his body. Yeah, um, he's leaping through the air and he just looks like he's laying down. He doesn't look like he is airborne. The and and I think part of my problem might be the design of the Red Robin costume because I, I don't think that the headpiece is very interesting. And I know that just harkens back. To the the Kingdom Come storyline and, and what we saw in that, but um, I just don't much care for the for the the design of the of the headpiece. But the rest of this book is just so poorly illustrated. It's it's almost like a you know a third year art school uh, student illustrated this book. Oh, wow. And <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just really quite terrible. <laughs> and. and In particular, the last page of the Red Robin story, because there is a what we'll call a a, we won't call it a co-feature, because it's actually a preview for Doom Patrol at the end of the book. But you look at Tim Drake sitting there in in his room, and he just doesn't look like he fits his body. His head is too big. um, his His feet are too little. I just I'm and it's not you know stylized like a like a manga or something like that. It's just bad illustration. So I, I think it sucks. I think it's terrible. I think it should be burned. I will not be picking
1: up issue three. Damn. <laughs> you know, I actually... L- I, didn't, I wouldn't say I liked it a lot, but I did like Red Robin. Um, completely, you know, I, I will say, the art, really not a fan. I was in the first issue. I thought it was good. You know, I thought there were some issues because I thought Tim Drake looked a little old. Yeah. Um, he seems to, you know, the the box, Ramon box or whatever, seems to be getting better with that. Um, it's still an issue, and I think it's more of an issue with the costume. Yeah. And like you said, I know they're hearkening back to the Kingdom Come stuff, but the costume just—I'm uh, not—I'm not digging the costume. And, you know, it would—I
0: I have to say the—it's the the cowl that bothers me. And I think that if they just did something interesting along the the brow line, or you know, gave it some ears or something, yeah. it's just it's it makes him look too blunted. And I just don't care for the art design of it. And again, I know they're just stealing the Kingdom Come design, but you know, and you generally can't go wrong with an Alex Ross design. But this one uh, certainly has gone wrong, and I don't like it. I don't like this book. Paul, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it.
1: <laughs> well, and honestly, I think the only way you're going to like this book, the only way people are going to like this book, is if they read Robin before. Um, you know that because these this is hearkening back to things that were in the Resurrection of Rachel Ghoul uh, yeah. in the Robin books, you know, a couple years back. Yeah. You know, and even you know the characters in this. Uh, you know some of the the people that Tim left behind in Gotham, you wouldn't know who the hell they were unless you right. read Robin before this. So it's right. not really new reader friendly um, and Aaron hates it. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I, and, and this is this will
0: show you how much the other stuff has, has detracted because number one, I love Tim Drake. I think he's an awesome character. Two, I think Ra's Ra- 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 al Ghul is one of the best comic book villains ever. And the fact that he's in the book and that Tim Drake is in the book, you know, really ought to be carrying it for me, and I just hate this book. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's like, I want this story told, I just want it told by a different writer, and I want it told by a different artist. Because I, and, and this is one of the things that I find really rather interesting, is DC has put a lot of investment into relaunching the Bat books through the, you know, Battle for the Cow and whatnot. And to not put your best foot forward with writer and artist really strikes me as as you know, it's like this was an afterthought. And I I think that if they had if they had put better talent on this, you'd have a lot more excitement about it.
1: No, and you, you probably know? have a good point. You know, I don't think Red Robin was I, I think some thought was put into it. I just don't think as much as some of these other titles. Um such as Batman. You know, the Batman Monthly. Yeah. Uh you know, they got Judd Winnick, even though it seems like he's leaving the title or I would say he's taking a break, but it sounds like Tony Daniels coming back um, in a couple of issues for writing and art. And his storyline says it's at least six issues long. So it's not like it's a guest starring role or a guest spot or whatever. You know, it seems like Judd Winnick is off the title. Um, you know, and that was a pretty big deal with him coming onto the title um, and Ed Beans or Baines or Ben S or whatever was supposed yeah. to be joining him on art. We really should have researched how to pronounce everybody's names. We're just going to make it up as we <laughs> go along.
0: I tell you what we need to add to the website as a pronunciation key for all of this comic talent.
1: That's a good idea.
0: <laughs> you know, with little MP3 files that you can click on, manky key man <laughs> <laughs> and you know what we can do is as we meet these guys We can ha- we can have them record it for us Say your name, say it slowly
1: <laughs> Say it again
0: <laughs> Yeah, I like it, let's do it Sounds you like can a can Go plan. ahead and have that ready for Monday
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll do that so
0: tomorrow Go to com. It'll be there for you Monday morning
1: folks Yep, absolutely <laughs> Even though you're probably not going to listen to this until Monday
0: But Yeah, that's um, fine Well we didn't say which Monday it would be there It's just going to be there Monday <laughs> Oh, good idea, good idea
1: <laughs> you know, so this new Batman book um, uh-huh. The writing I like the writing a lot better Than I like uh, the Batman and Robin writing By Grant Morrison I'm, You know, I was a huge fan Of Mark Bagley Back in his Amazing Spider-Man days Which I, you know, followed the Eric Larson Todd McFarlane days um, right. But in recent years I'm just not a tremendous fan of him I His art Is good and he's always on top. You know, kudos to him. But the art in this book is just kind of eh. You know, I mean, it's Batman. You know, I don't think of Mark Bagley as a flagship artist. I think of him more as a we-need-someone-to-get-this-done-quickly-and-efficiently artist. You know, that's why they put him on Trinity. You know, so it you know it just doesn't seem, you know, his art is not bad, but it's just not... Yeah, uh,
0: Bagley. Bagley's art, you know, is always adequate. But it never excites me. Yeah, you know the the it, you know for instance, you would never put Bagley on Green Lantern for uh, Blackest Night. No, you know he, but, but you know his his artwork has always seemed rather audience friendly in terms of it, sort of mass appeal. You know, his 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 style isn't offensive. It's, it's kind not, of like John nothing.
1: Romita Junior. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah, it really is, and and you know, and that's why you saw him on Spider Man. For so mm-hmm. long. You know, Ultimate Spider-Man, I guess. And because it, it is rather, uh, it's kind of eye candy, I guess. Not to the extreme that, like, you know, Todd McFarlane's, you know, artwork is eye candy. But, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of, of challenging uh, uh, artistic creative interpretation there.
1: I agree. You know, it's his art has been the same, you know, for the last yeah. 15 years or whatever. Yeah, um, it's kind
0: of meat and potatoes. I think you know there's not there's not a lot of extravagance to it, uh, but you know it gets the job done. Yeah,
1: and you know for regular Batman, you know I mean this is regular Batman, but you know on a regular basis, I think I'd be fine with Bagley taking it over, you know indefinitely. But right yeah. now, you know when it's such a huge storyline, I think they probably should have gone with someone bigger name wise. You know, but the story's great. Again, it's one of... Like Red Robin, it's one of those storylines that'll be hard for you to follow if you didn't read Nightwing actually before. Because the big right. bad in this is Two-Face. And um, they spent a long time, the the last year or two of Nightwing, making Two-Face Nightwing's big bad. You know, they, they got right. to know each other. You know, Nightwing visited him in prison and they had a Silence of the Lambs kind of thing. Um, right. So this issue involves Two-Face instantly knowing that it's Nightwing in the Batman costume because he knows Nightwing that well and if you don't, if you never read Nightwing, you probably wouldn't have known that Um, but on my end I actually like where the storyline's going because I loved Nightwing so, you know, for fans of Nightwing read Batman because there is no Nightwing book Um, but, you know, again again, not new reader friendly but it's still a good book it's still worth picking up if you're a fan of batman or the new batman right. and if you're looking for something better than batman and robin
0: well cool well i am gonna go pick those those uh two issues up that i missed i, I can't believe that i've <laughs> i've already missed them but, <laughs> yeah damn uh, right you are i'll be will be unprepared uh, i'm just extraordinarily unprepared um and i love jed winnick and i you know I, i'm glad to hear you say that it's it's reminiscent of Nightwing because I loved those Nightwing books.
1: Yeah, that's you know, where I got into I, Pete Tomasi, you know, from those Nightwing yeah. books.
0: well, you know, and that was my, my great sadness in, you know, Dick Grayson going to be Batman, is that, you know, I love Nightwing. You know, he really has, be, he, he's not just the spinoff character from Batman, he is his own guy. And, you know, that that has been my only real gripe about what I have read in the, in the uh, Batman Reborn books, is that you know Dick Grayson doesn't seem to be his own man yet as Batman, and that's what I'm looking forward to, and I'm really hoping that that you know in the next couple of issues we see him really coming out and being his own guy.
1: Yeah, and you know I think we're gonna see it in Judd Winnick's Batman uh, before we see it anyplace else, and maybe we'll see it when Tony Daniel hops on the title. The bad thing is Judd Winnick seems to know dick grayson as a character even though i don't remember him really writing dick grayson before but he seems to have a good grasp on dick grayson as batman than he, he you know more so than even anybody else who's working on dick grayson batman titles so well hopefully tony daniel yeah. does great you know i like his art so yeah
0: Cool. Well, you know, uh here we are, you know, in the middle of this Batman Reborn series and Dick Grayson is smack dab in the center of this huge event. Does it strike you as bizarre that just a few years ago Dan DeDio wanted to kill him off?
1: <laughs> you know, he I think he wanted to kill him off not because he didn't like Nightwing, but because he wanted a bigger death and Nightwing would yeah. be a big death. Uh I'm yeah. glad he didn't. But you know what? Hell, everyone who died (laughs) during Infinite Crisis, (laughs) uh, one year later, pre-one year later, is back, you know? Superboy is back with his own title, Kid Flash is back, and I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's still in Flash Rebirth, but... Right.
0: Right. But, you know, one of the nice things about that is, I mean, yeah, DC has been ridiculous on how quickly they brought, you know, dead characters back from the grave. And I'll pause to say I'm thankful that Connor Kent is back because I I love me some Superboy. But that's what's so nice about Blackest Night is that it addresses those rather gaping plot holes or you know co- you know story holes of what's the consequence of all of these guys coming back from the dead. And again, that is why Blackest uh, Green Lantern issue number 43, Prologue to Blackest Night is my big pick for the week cuz it does follow in a rather logical sort of progression the consequences of actions that have occurred since you know infinite crisis
1: yeah and you know what you know what seems kind of odd to me blackest night starts next wednesday right it Mm -hmm. seems really coincidental and maybe it really is maybe i'm just a conspiracy theorist it seems really coincidental that green lantern the movie you know the role of hal jordan was cast mere days before the biggest Green Lantern event in years, you know, and much less DC's flagship event for the year. Bam. By the way, there's a new movie coming out with one of the biggest stars right now, and it's called Green Lantern, and it's based on a comic, and guess what? It's also the big event of the year. Check it out Wednesday. Yeah, You know, I think that's how they're going to play it.
0: Um, and for those who very keen timing on uh, on d c and Warner's part, because that is huge. you know Ryan Reynolds playing uh, Green Lantern in the movie is going to get a lot of press, and people you're right they'll they'll be able to press release at the same time and oh yeah, by the way, essential reading this week uh, in the Green Lantern stories.
1: Yeah, which is kind of funny that it stars a bad guy who's a necrophiliac, but you know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, you know, okay, yeah, I,
0: I, you know I'm not I'm not comfortable with the judgment about bad guy <laughs> because he's a necrophiliac. Let's not judge that. He's not bad you know?
1: because he's a necrophiliac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I'm I'm happy with the casting decision because I like Ryan Reynolds, but I've got some misgivings about it also. Um, the top yeah. three guys. Uh, for those who don't read our site, ideologyofmetness com, and you really should be reading our site because it's awesome. Um, and we
0: give stuff away.
1: And we give stuff away, uh, but not Ryan Reynolds. Um, the top three that's, guys. We need to give Ryan Reynolds away. Yeah, that's true. We'll get the readership will go through the roof. <laughs> um, the top three were Bradley Cooper from The Hangover, Justin Timberlake from. Justin Timberlake and you know Ryan Reynolds and out of the three Bradley Cooper I thought was far and away the best I don't think he's the best person in Hollywood for the role but you know what I like him I've not seen him in anything I disliked him in and he he fits Hal Jordan I thought to a T more so than Ryan Reynolds who I thought didn't fit Hal Jordan kind of at all to be honest with you Um, but you know Ryan Reynolds seems like a DC fan um, you know, he yeah. he tried for the longest time to play The Flash uh, in a right. in a movie written by David Goyer. It didn't happen. It fell through. You know, I guess he, he moved to the Marvel side of the camp for a while playing Deadpool in the Wolverine movie. And uh, now that he's been cast as Green Lantern, again, kind of miscast, but I like Ryan Reynolds. Right. It, I guess the Deadpool movie is on hold or because, you know, Green Lantern is filming... This year, it, you know, it's moving into production this year. They wanted out, I think, for two thousand eleven. Right. So I guess Deadpool's kind of dead for now. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame because I I thought Deadpool would really give him a chance to shine. That's a role that Ryan Reynolds is perfect for, um, right. and he seemed excited about it. But you know. I, I, I want to see a Green Lantern movie too. And Martin Campbell, the director, you know, who did Casino Royale and Goldeneye and, you know, countless other non James Bond films. Right. You know, great director.
0: Well, and I, what I'm excited about, because while I would never imagine Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan, I do think Ryan Reynolds is an awfully good actor and he's got a lot of screen appeal. You know, he's just good on screen. Whatever you've seen him in, he's just good on screen. Even in, you know, the terrible sitcom he used to be in. <laughs> the uh, one
1: with Nathan Fillion.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the pizza you know,
1: one.
0: Yeah, two guys, a girl, and a pizza place. That was an awful sitcom, but I liked him in it. Anytime he was on screen, I enjoyed him. Now, you know, it's funny you mentioned Nathan Fillion. You know, he was the subject of a, a fan film that was made for Green Lantern. And, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I could see Nathan Fillion as Green Lantern. But, you know, I think they want to go a younger way uh, for these heroes. But, you know, in my mind, Hal Jordan's an older guy. Yeah, He's not an old guy, but he's an older guy. And, you know, I think that uh, Ryan Reynolds might make a better uh, uh, Kyle, Hal Rayner, than Mm -hmm. a Hal Jordan.
1: And, you know, that's what I said in my article, actually, um, you know, on the website. I said... Ryan Reynolds, perfect for Kyle Rayner. Yeah, not so good for Hal Jordan. You know, Hal Jordan wasn't young when he became Green Lantern. You right, know, he was. Yeah. he had already you know flown in the war. You know, crash landed, whatever, whatever. You know, he was doing the test yeah. flights um, when he finally got the ring. And this is after you know years in the war and you know right. all that. So he wasn't young. And I guess, you know, Ryan Reynolds isn't young. He's 33, which is really about the right age, if right. you think about it. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't look. He, do- he, he doesn't
0: doesn- have that, that, you know, uh, corn-fed, corn-fed flyboy look about him. Yeah. You know?
1: You know, and again, and- he's a good actor, though. You know, and I think he can pull it off, and I'm, god damn right, I'm going to see the film.
0: Oh, yeah. well, And, you know, the, the thing that we're not used to seeing from Ryan Reynolds, you know, he's a smart ass. You know, that is what, what always plays well to Ryan Reynolds. And the Hal Jordan that we know in the DCU is rather straight-laced. You know He is rather serious most of the time. Um, he is not a wise-ass. And that's not what we're used to seeing from Ryan Reynolds. Now, I'm sure he can play that. Or they might, you know, do some kind of combination between Kyle Raynor and Hal Jordan to make that, that character for the movie.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, Ryan Reynolds really fits the role of not necessarily the rookie, but, you know, the, the new talent, the fresh young yeah. guy, you know. So this is kind of off-type for him, I think, you know, to, well, the way we're envisioning Hal Jordan is off-type right. for Ryan Reynolds. Right. But then again, you know, it's a movie, it's going to be different than the comic book you know dark knight is nothing like the batman comic books sure but everyone yeah. loved it and I, right. I i think green lantern's going to be a good one too um, yeah. you know and i guess it's a good time to be a dc movie fan because <laughs> we might be seeing a superman movie sometime in the next couple of years
0: well, <laughs> <laughs> well you know that was a that was an interesting development in the superman world this week
1: it really was um, and for those who don't know what we're talking about we're talking about the ruling in the seagull um uh versus DC Com well I, I think it was versus Time Warner uh, yeah. case and they alleged that by selling the rights to produce Superman movies to Warner Brothers who um is also owned by Time Warner that DC Comics basically got a good deal and screwed the Siegel schusters out of a couple of you know Million dollars or more money, whatever. Um, And like I mentioned in my article, very similar to what David Duchovny did during the X Files um, when he left for a little while. It was because X Files, the rights for syndication, were sold um, from Fox TV to FX Network. He alleged that, you know, there were some under the table dealings screwing him out of syndication money had they sold it to someone else. Right. You know, very similar. Um, You know, this has been a big case going on for a long time, and the ruling finally came out this week that DC and Time Warner and Warner Brothers Studios, the film studio, did nothing wrong. Um, That the property was sold at fair market value, and, uh, you know, he compared it to, the judge compared it to a novel, um, in that when you sell a novel, when you sell the rights to a novel, you're kind of selling almost a built-in screenplay. Um, Whereas where you're selling the rights to Superman... You're not, you know, there's 60 years of stories. You still have to come up with a story. You're not selling like a built-in movie like you are with a novel. So he assessed that they were sold for fair market value, but... Yeah, but then, but... but, You know, the first part of that
0: article you're reading, you're going, oh, this is a a, a, a strong decision for DC. Mm -hmm. And then the Scroogey occurs.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but... Because of the delays in getting that first Superman movie off the ground, you know, he alleged that, well, you need to have another Superman movie in production by 2011, or you owe the Siegel Schusters a ton of money. Yeah. Um, because basically you're not using the rights. And. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it gets worse from yeah, there. <laughs> and and this is the big, the big one. Um, in 2013. The Seagulls and the Schuster Estate, or vice versa, um, get full ownership of the character of Superman, and have to license the character to DC. Uh, you know, on like a Scooby Doo. You know, like DC publishes yeah. Scooby Doo comics and licenses yeah. it. Same premise. They would have to license Superman um, from the Seagull Schusters, unless I don't know. So, they're going to be kissing some ass for a little while. (laughs) But, you know, it's kind of a Scroogey on all sides. Yeah. You know, if the Siegel-Schusters really can't go anywhere else. No one really can afford the type of money, other than, you know, the two big guys, to publish Superman comics. Yeah. But, if anyone else does it, they don't have the rights to the DC storylines. Just the Siegel-Schuster stuff. Now, DC may not own Superman DC owns Kryptonite, right? Uh, I think even Lex Luthor, yeah, you know all the, you know uh, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, you know none of those are Siegel schuster creations. You know none of the storylines since they left the title, you right. know, are part of this property. So they'd essentially be taking Superman and his origin with him. But it would have to be almost an entire reboot, you know. They they right. couldn't reference these stories, but you know, even the stories we're reading right now.
0: Now, don't you know that you know that that decision came out last week, and immediately Joe Quesada over at Marvel is going, "Okay, somebody tell me how much money this is going to cost us?" Because you know, it might be fun to have Superman just for a little while.
1: <laughs> you know, just to, just to, just a to screw with DC. Yeah, just just see if we can afford it for a month.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I I think you're right. I think the price tag is going to be huge. Um, you know, somebody like Dark Horse or you know Dynamite isn't going to be able to afford the licensing for Superman. And you know the li- the the licensing I am certain would be priced uh, to make it cost prohibitive for anybody other than DC to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, because DC's the, G- DC is the one with the, with the stake. You know they're the ones. I mean, Superman is so huge to their business; uh, they've gotta they've gotta do something. You know, with it, they can't afford to lose Superman. I just cannot imagine a DC universe without Superman.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is no alternative. You know, you can't come up with a different you know Superman like character. You know, it's there. You know, it sounds like a big deal, but ultimately, it's only a big deal behind the scenes because yep. they're going to have to figure out money, and we're going to get a little bit screwed in the long run. I think. Um, you know, DC has to make money on Superman, so we're yeah. going to. You know, we may see that one go to a four dollar title, or God, in two thousand thirteen, it may True. be a five fifty six dollar title. <laughs> um, but you know, it's going to have some big names on it, and you know, everything is. You know, it's. It's really they're going to have to make their money back, and I'm assuming they they're going to have to pay for every appearance of Superman as well. So I don't think we'll be seeing Superman in as many guest starring roles, or you know, if we do, you know, I think they have to pay every time. So it's you know it's kind of an interesting premise of how this is going to work. You know, where the biggest superhero in comic books is a creator owned hero. You know, creator owned character. Yeah.
0: Well, and I'm sure there'll also be appeals you know so none of this is is final
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know so uh and who knows where where it will all wind up i think the scariest thing for us right now is that somebody's going to be rushing a superman film into production like today <laughs> you know <laughs> And that's sad because you know I think most of us were underwhelmed with Superman Returns. Um, Most of us probably don't want to see another Superman Returns, you know, a a sequel to that with that you know production. Now there are elements of that movie that I really enjoyed. Uh, I I enjoyed that it was an homage to you know Christopher Reeve's Superman, but it was so much an homage it really wasn't a good film on its own.
1: I agree. I'm not a big fan of Superman Returns and. You know, this may be sacrilege. I'm not a big fan of the Chris Reeves Superman movies. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. This is really something that should have been disclosed to me before we ever started this podcast. <laughs> You're
1: like, we need to take this offline, Paul. No. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I'm not a huge we'll be fan back. of the... <laughs> yeah, cue One music. of us will be back. <laughs> and this is Funny Books with Aaron. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Have no nice Polly. Day. Who's
0: Polly? Polly's dead to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 not a huge fan. I, I, I know that's a bad thing to say. Because I know they're wow. the quintessential superhero movies. I find them a bit slow.
0: I, you know, I like the the first and the second one. I don't care for three and four. Uh, three and four <laughs> are just really you know trash movies. But whatever, four
1: is the greatest movie of all time. Oh, shut your your face, man. <laughs>
0: But, uh, you know, I really wanted in the, the previous Superman movie, uh, I wanted a re-envisioning. I wanted something more current, you know. And, and yeah. I want a big Superman. These little spindly guys wearing the Superman uniform just creeps me out. I yeah. want to see somebody who looks like they can, you know, lift a building over their head.
1: Yeah, and you know, I just... And the, the guy they have on Smallville, um, how do I... Tom Welling. Not yeah. bad now. I mean, you know, when he first started, yeah. you know, he, he's grown into the role. Now, that, does that mean I want to see a Smallville-based Superman movie? No, no. I really don't. <laughs> uh, no. they, they killed Jimmy Olsen last year, so screw them. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, this year, the season finale. But, hey,
0: Chloe's smoking hot. So, you know, if they want to make a Chloe movie, <laughs> I'm all over that.
1: Chloe and Lois, the movie.
0: Preferably something made specifically for Cinemax and airing somewhere between midnight and 3 a.m.
1: There you go. That's what I'm looking for. In 2013, it might happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I just – I don't know what they're going to do, you know, movie-wise. I don't want something rushed, but, you know, it needs to be in production by 2011, not out. So that gives them two years to really get something down, and I find it really damn hard to believe they can't come up with a good Superman story that they can afford. Um, yeah. You know, don't hire Mark Millar, because if you've read his treatment, it's horrendous. Yeah. Um, did you hear well, about that? Where he was, you know, saying he had the Superman trilogy, where at the end it would just be Superman alone on the Earth, because he outlived everyone, and the sun went supernova, and then he'd finally die that was the proposal of his Trilogy. I you know,
0: I knew that he had something out there but I did not see what his proposal was. Yeah, not so big, but you know, yeah. you,
1: you you get some good guys behind it. I mean, you've got talent. You know, hire the comic yeah. guys. Paul Dini would do a good one. Or Well, pretend- and
0: and don't I think the one of the big errors they make in, in telling Superman stories is focusing on Lex Luthor as the villain. Um, give us a Brainiac movie villain. Yeah, you know, get, give us give us a real uh, you know out of this world threat. Somebody who's big enough and tough enough to punch Superman and hurt him. That was the that was what I really liked about Superman too. Was that you know he was up against three other Kryptonians you know from the Phantom Zone, and you know they could they could hurt him. You yeah. know I, that that's what I want to see. I want to see a, a real threat, not just somebody who's you know interested in in land deals and you know that kind of thing. So yeah. I. I want to see a Superman who is as charismatic uh, on screen as we expect him to be. You know, Superman is not just super because he can, you know, uh, fly and, you know, leap tall buildings in a single bound, you know, and has all these superpowers. He's also got this charisma that we didn't see from, you know, Superman Returns. Uh, I really would love to see it, you know somebody who's got you know just a, a lot of screen appeal. I think Brendan Fraser, who's probably too old now, but I think he would have been a perfect uh,
1: Superman. Yeah, you know, I, for a while I was thinking my two top choices for Superman were Brendan Fraser, yeah, and Matthew McConaughey. I you know lots of people disagree with me on that. You know, they're like Superman doesn't have a southern accent. Superman grew up in Kansas. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he doesn't still have the Kryptonian accent and he doesn't sound like a native metropolis person. Right. You know?
0: Well, and, you know, let's face it, Matthew McConaughey's a talented actor. He doesn't have to have the accent in everything he does. Yeah, you know, you know? and,
1: you know, he can keep it subtle. And, you know, I think he could pull it off. And he's got the right look for it. You know, right. I mean, Insignia doesn't have to have black hair. Brendan Fraser doesn't have black hair. You know, but right. I think both of them, you know, maybe not as much Brendan Fraser now, but Brendan Fraser even five years ago. But it just seems like in recent times he's he's more suited to the dad role. Right. But I don't know. He did okay in the last mummy film and he's still yeah. in shape. It's just uh I don't know. He needs something I guess. So yeah. Kath Brendan and, and, Fraser.
0: <laughs> and I know that this isn't anything that uh that DC's gonna be interested in doing or that Warner's gonna be interested in doing, but I wouldn't mind an older Superman. Yeah, you know, the Superman in the books is mid thirties. And, you know, they seem prone to giving us somebody who's in his 20s. Yeah. And, and I, I'd, r- I'd really like a more mature Superman. I'd like to see a Superman who is acknowledged as, you know, not just the, the mightiest of heroes, but also, you know, the, the one with the most leadership qualities. You yeah. know, the one who can rally everybody. And, and you don't get that from, you know, the fellow who is in Superman Returns whose name completely escapes me.
1: Brandon Routh.
0: Yes, Brandon Routh. He just – there are things I like about that movie, but for the most part, it's like he's doing a Christopher Reeve impersonation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, whenever I cast in my head uh, a comic (laughs) book role for a DC comic, Uh um, I always – who can stand next to Christian Bale as Batman? And that you would believe could, you know – you know, basically be equals, if not better Than, you know, the Christian Bale Batman Which was absolutely perfect casting d- Despite what you think of Christian Bale As a person Absolutely perfect for the role of Bruce Wayne oh, Batman yeah. Absolutely um, You know, so who can stand up against him? And, you know I, I don't think Brandon Routh fit that role But no, someone like a Matthew all. McConaughey Or a Brendan Fraser More than could fill that yeah. role um, you Absolutely know. Uh, and Ryan Reynolds, I don't know. He's got the right age, and I think he could probably yeah. do it. Yeah. And no, we won't see a shared universe anytime soon. We're, no, we'll be lucky not... if we see any of these movies anytime soon. Yeah. But um,
0: well, it, it amuses me that when you're uh, casting DC movies, you're casting male ro- roles in your head. Because I never venture far beyond you know casting Black Canary and Wonder Woman when I'm doing all of that <laughs> casting, you know, in my <laughs> head. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the the casting couch in your head. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly. All righty. Well, I think we've covered everything we wanted to talk about today, Paul.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank everybody for joining us for our very DC-centric Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. You know, maybe we'll try to read something by image next week. Um, (laughs) No promises.
0: uh, Or maybe we'll go old school and read something from Valiant. (laughs) (laughs)
1: let's not get crazy here
0: okay alright I'll put down my collection of Exo Man of (laughs) War
1: Solar Man of the Atom there you go okay guys uh, thanks a bunch and we
0: will catch you next time
1: absolutely and if you are coming to this not from our website make sure you check out www.ideologyofbadness.com
0: podcast theme music graciously provided by
1: Mark Andrew Pope for more information visit markandrewpope.com
0: funny books with Aaron and Polly is a Production of ideology of madness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. A quick blast of frozen nitrogen will take care of Sapphire's giant clam.